T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. As one Toronto team was already dismantling a Boston team down the road on Thursday night, Mitch Moreland tied the game twice at Fenway in the last three innings. He set it up for Rafi Devers to bag the comeback win. Sorry, you hosers. One win in Boston per night is all you get. The Sox were two outs away from dropping a 3-10. and ten. But Moreland would have none of that foolish talk. Two more extra base hits for Mitch. The return of McDonough to the radio booth. A walk-off single from Rafi Devers. Maybe there is a Santa Claus, or at the very least, a beam of light at the end of this April tunnel. All of this explored right now as part of your new favorite podcast we like to call Socks Daily. It's your Daily Socks Podcast. It's your Daily Socks Podcast. It's where you're going to find out what the socks are doing. It's your Daily Socks Podcast. It's your Daily Socks Podcast. What's meant to be will find a way. Yep, the new guy is quoting Trisha Yearwood. A great way to endear oneself to New, to new England. But uh, Mitchie Two Bags, who was also Mitchie Four Bags, he's the man of the match for Boston again. Very possible if there was no such person as Mitch Moreland, the Sox would be 1 and 12 right now. Instead, it's four wins against nine losses, 13 games in. Three of the four wins directly because the dark haired first baseman with the Mississippi twang has come up big when no one else could really do that. A tremendous at-bat in the ninth. He fouled off one Ken Giles pitch after another, eventually the game-tying double. Eduardo Nunez pinch runs and steals third. It gets to Devers, who had never had a Major League walk-off hit. Well, now he does. And 4-9 and nine cosmetically looks a lot better than 3-10. and ten. Huge comeback win against Rowdy Telez, Freddie Galvis, and the rest of the Blue Jays' shock troops. Galvis was 4-4. Four for four with a late go-ahead home run. Telez hit a home run off of Valdi that some people suggested won a Ted Williams red seat-esque 505 feet. But uh, no matter how far it went, let's sing along with Mitch and enjoy the fruits of a 7-6 walk-off win. Let's do that first before we get to StatCast. Let's set the table. Eventually, we'll hear from a, a happy Alex Cora on the podcast as well. We'll get you some Nate Valdi sound, too. Coming in, we had said the Sox trailed the first-place Rays by six and a half in the AL East. That's the largest Boston deficit since 2015. Keep in mind, the 2001 A's, the last team to lose 9 out of 12 to start and still go on to win 100. And everyone seems to think 100 may have to be the number this year to get in the playoffs at all because the AL is so top-heavy. So as Lou Merloni ranted on OMF on Wednesday, and I'm paraphrasing liberally, this slow start is no longer cute. Heads being up, certain unmentionable orifices, suboptimal. So time to start making a statement, especially with the grand return of our boy Sean McDonough to work with Lou and Joe Castig. I listened to a lot of the broadcast Thursday night, and it was like a piece of my 1980s and 90s had come jumping back into reality. The, the cadence, the humor, the sarcasm, the insight, 
Uh, I don't mean to get all the way up his butt here, but but great to hear Sean in his first act as play-by-play guy, though. Uh, five in the third off of Valdi. So w- welcome back, Sean. Valdi coming in, we had said, hey, uh, of the last 35 batters faced at Fenway, including the postseason, 16 strikeouts, no walks. He knows his way around this mound. There was a tremendous ovation for him opening day. That was the first chance the home crowd had to say thanks again for game three. And just like so many other games so far this year, two decent innings to begin, but then an absolute car crash. Of course, it's been a collective failure for the whole rotation. We know that. Sox starters are 0-8, ERA of 8.9. And just for reference here, not only is that worse than the majors, but the team that ranks 29th, the White Sox, their starters' ERA is about 6.9. So that does have an effect on things down the road. The, the Sox, of course, entered the season with an idea of how many innings each of their relievers would throw, but they did not foresee this rotation being like this in the first month or so. And it's likely there are already a few relievers who have pitched a lot more than anybody wanted to have them pitch at this point. So that means they'll probably have to tinker with the bullpen mix a lot in the coming months here. They'll have to call up pitchers from Pawtucket, ride the shuttle, even guys that aren't on the 40-man. You might have to have them come chew up some innings up now through the All-Star break. Henry Mejia, Erasmo Ramirez, guys like that. Marcus Walden has already come up this past weekend to replace the injured Brian Johnson. Walden is now 2-0. Everyone else, uh, two wins total. Walden, Colton Brewer, Hector Velasquez, they've all got minor league options, so they're likely to be shuttled down to Pawtucket if the team needs to bring somebody up. Guys like Hembry, Workman, Thornburg would really need to struggle very badly to be put completely off the roster. The other thing 3-9 and nine did for the Sox to start out is it's been put out there, and I agree, that Alex Cora might actually have to chase some wins now. And he did not have to do that at all last year. Alex prided himself on just uh, not letting one game veer him off the long-term course. He was willing to lose some random game in April or May if it meant keeping his key players healthy later on and keep them fresh. But if you start out six and a half back at Tampa Bay, I don't know if you can do that in 29 or 2019 nearly as easily. The other subtle thing in play regarding three and nine, Tampa Bay can now feel free to believe that, hey, maybe this is our year. Maybe the Sox have lost their mojo. So if ever there was an important game number 13 of a major league season, I'd suggest this was pretty much it at Fenway Thursday night. So we looked at the matchups. The players on Toronto's roster were 1-for-19 against Evaldi, seven strikeouts all-time. The 0-for-8 Justin Smoke hammers a long three-run home run in the third. And then two batters later, the rowdy Telez blast that basically broke StatCast. Lots of discussion about how far that thing actually really did fly. And I guess it comes down to whether or not it actually hit the right-field facade, which they eventually realized it did, because otherwise 500-plus was not out of the question. But they finally got it to 449 Rowdy Telez could be a pretty good player. Uh, had a 70 at bat audition last year, and he nailed it. 614 slugging percentage. He was becoming a cult hero with that distinctive name and the big burly body. Kind of sounds like and looks like a pro wrestler. And like uh, Kevin Pillar, a one-time 30th round pick. And so as Pillar is now crushing it as a San Francisco giant, Telez with a soul-crushing bomb that made it 5 nothing. Two of Valdi and the Red Sox credit. You got to give him this. The game stayed close enough because the Sox turned four double plays in the first five innings. Pedroia, by the way, looked just perfect out there doing it. Last year, they had no game with even three double plays turned. They had four turned in five innings of this one, and that would let Evaldi off the hook, and sure enough, the Sox began to rally. 
Maybe it was a good thing they got behind early, by the way, because somehow the Sox are 1-6 when scoring first. They were 74-15 and when they did that a year ago. The leads have been gone by the third inning four times and the second inning twice. So down 5 nothing. They put some hot dogs in the hot dog cannon, and they began to fire away. Bottom three, J.D. Martinez scrapes the monster, knocks in a run. Then finally, an RBI for Devers, 46 at-bats into the season. David Price had had one, Devers had had zero. But part of that three-run third to get him back in it, the other RBI that inning from Pedroia, his first in the big league since September of 2017. Bottom six, they get another run back on a wild pitch, but with one out, Devers nailed at home plate, on a, a shallow fly ball to center, hit right at Randall Gritchick. And no, Wendell Kim was not coaching third, but serious business. That was a 266-foot fly ball, and Devers was out from here to Marshfield. Top of the eighth, as a drone was circling over Fenway, and the Sox had tied the game 5-5 five to five by then. And, and by the way, we, we understand the FAA is now looking into the whole drone thing. But Ryan Brazier misses his location by a foot. Freddie Galvis launches the home run to untie the score at 6-5 Toronto, looking very gloomy at that point. Nothing doing in the bottom of the eighth, and the specter of Ken Giles for the ninth. <clears throat> Here's how the bottom of the ninth unfolded. Benintendi grounds out, but then Mookie walks. Double the deep center for Mitch Moreland. That brings in bets. You got 6-6. Nunez pinch runs for Moreland. Steals third. Hello. Everybody see that coming? No? Okay, well, Bogart's walked. After J.D. Martinez was intentionally walked, he got bases loaded, one out. Just don't hit it on the ground, please. Devers did that, but he bounced it right over the second baseman. Nunez scores, ball game over. So in 117 innings now, the Sox have started said inning eight times with a lead. That's it. So you can absolutely make the case they are lucky to have four wins right now if they've started an inning eight times out of 117 with a lead. Their highest scoring inning by far so far is the ninth, and that saved them. 14 runs in the ninth, including the the two biggies Thursday night. So Moreland is homered in each of his last four games with an A-B, longest streak of his career. Nine of his 11 hits this year have gone for extra bases. He's got five homers, four doubles. Go back to the World Series, six of his last 12 hits have been home runs. All of that obviously is terrific. It makes you wonder if maybe he gets some at-bats against lefties going forward. Steve Pierce can be an option off the bench or even in the outfield, just putting that out there. Right now, Moreland is second in the league in slugging percentage. It's not what anyone saw coming when he was in Texas. I know because I was there. Back there, he was regarded as Doug Mitkevich. Great D, hit for average, gets you a few doubles, but way more Mark Grace than Mark McGuire. I know it's super early, but Magic Mitch, five home runs and 12 runs batted in, He and J.D. Martinez are sizzling, and it's fun to watch it happen. Last Red Sox hitter to homer in four straight, Adrian Gonzalez in 2011. And I know it's not much of a novelty this year, the way the ball's been just flying around the planet, but Moreland already the fourth player this year to homer in four straight. Yelich has done it. Trout has done it. Dan Vogelbach has done it for Seattle. One more for you. Last Red Sox hitter to homer in each of his first two home games of a season, our buddy Daniel Nava did it in 2013. If you like the underdog player, Alex Cora was one of those two. Daniel Nava, meet Alex Cora. He is now meeting with the media. Here's what he had to say after the game. He took a fastball in the inside part of the plate in the middle of the bat. I mean, that's a tough pitch to take. And then he battled, fouled off a few pitches and got a, got a pitch he can handle and hit it out of the ballpark. And then against Giles, I mean, Kenny had a good fastball today. He, he was throwing 100. 
and uh, obviously he had the slider. We saw him the other day. He threw a lot of sliders, and um, you know, he was able to catch up with with the fastball again, put a good swing on it, and uh, tie the ball game. Of course, of course. I mean, and I hope it. You know, obviously we want to get rolling. So yeah, that's a good beginning. We didn't stop playing today. That was cool. That was cool to see. Uh, Nate, you know, struggling that inning, but then he made some adjustments. Gave us five. Uh, the bullpen did a good job. One bad change up there. Waldy, I mean, we've been using him a lot, and we were trying to stay away from some guys and you know, base loaded. Made some good pitches to get Brito, and then got, got the ground ball. So that, that was good to see. You know, it was. I mean, it felt like the whole game we were in it. We we they scored five. We we scored three. So um, it, it was a good effort. Now we talk about it this morning today. I mean, he, he's. He's been solid, balanced, um, swinging the strikes, not the swing in the zone. Um, just today they threw him a fastball up in the zone early in the game. He, he chased it, um, and the breaking was in the first half bad, but he didn't get down. You know, he, he, he feels good at the play right now. He's in a good place. Uh, and, uh, like I said, we just got to take care of him. Uh, we, we've been through this path before, and uh, um, you know, we, we got another capable first baseman, too, that he, he can't hit, too, so... They complement each other, and now uh, we'll we'll make sure we keep him healthy throughout. All right, so that's the skipper. We wanted to also let you hear from Nate Evaldi. Uh, yes, he skated out of this with a no decision, but like Chris Sale, like Porcello, like everybody in this rotation, really, he is, as Joe Namath would say, struggling right now. And uh, in his own words, here's Evaldi on his night. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I threw the ball really well today. Uh, I felt like I had pretty good fastball command. Uh, you know, my curveball was really good today. It was just came down, you know, really two pitches, the one to Smoke and then uh, Rowdy. Uh, you know, I felt like Smoke he battled and fought off a lot of good pitches, and fortunately, you know, he was able to hit that one out, and, and then with Talies as well. What can you say about Mitch Morley's mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Mitch has been he's been hitting the ball really well lately, and you know, for him to come through in those big clutch moments for us, you know, we definitely needed that today, and uh, you know, he came through twice today for us and you know, it's a big win for us. Do you hope this win gets the team rolling? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like anytime you can come back from behind and, you know, battle the way we did, you know, I give up five runs in the third and for us to chip away and five to three and then, you know, for Mitch to tie it up when he did and then, uh, you know, bullpen's been unbelievable and they were able to get a run off of our guys and we were able to answer back and, you know, come back and win the game. Hey, last year, you did a good job keeping the ball in the ballpark mm-hmm. and not walking guys. Yeah. That's not been the case this year. Mm-hmm. Any explanation? Yeah, I mean, those have been the two frustrating things, especially the walks, you know. Uh, last game, I think I had four, maybe five with the hit batter, and then this time I had four as well. And, uh, you know, just falling behind on, on the hitters and trying to be too perfect when I'm behind in the counts. And, uh, you know, the results are walks. And that third inning was a big one. I had the leadoff walk, and, you know, it's hard to try to not – allow the runs as square as it is and when you give them a free base it doesn't help and um again i had a little or i had a two-out walk as well so i mean the walks definitely hurt you and i gotta do a better job all right so that's the and coming up now friday night eduardo rodriguez trying to get it corrected 12.38 era two starts in david hess yeah a guy named for a gas station with a 2.70 era 
off to a very nice start for Baltimore, which, of course, had a nice start overall, and now is starting to backslide. Saturday, Porcello's on the mound. Sunday, it's Price. Monday for the uh, the 11.05 a.m. Patriots Day game. That is Chris Sale against the recently picked up Dan Straley. Uh, he's got the 1929 Charleston ERA. Uh, Baltimore is now 5-8 and eight after getting rolled at home by the A's on Thursday. Oakland's Chris Davis had a pair of home runs for a second straight game. The Orioles' Chris Davis is now over his last 53, going back to last year. He's in the fourth year of a $161 million seven-year contract. Over 32 to start this season, was over 21 to start last season. Most consecutive hitless at bats ever by a non-pitcher. And we know the Orioles last year were terrible. 47 games won over a six-month period. That's, I mean, that's 8-19 and 19 every month. That is a mind-numbing rate of failure. But there's not a lot of reason to think that this year bodes any better for Baltimore. You won't recognize a lot of these guys. Machado is gone. Jonathan Scope is gone. Adam Jones we just saw in Arizona. The only guy that really stayed, other than, I guess, Mark Trumbo, uh, Chris Davis. Uh, Alcides Escobar lost his shortstop job to Richie Martin. There's just a whole cast of young unknowns here and not a lot of good pitching. And another rookie manager to match up against. After Charlie Montoyo just went one and one for Toronto at Fenway, here comes Brandon Hyde. And I'll point this out for you. Of the 30 major league managers, 26 of them played in the big leagues. Three others, Joe Madden, Hyde, and Brian Snitcher of the Braves, at least played in the minors. The Cardinals' Mike Schilt, it's a name you have to say very carefully, played Division I baseball at UNC Asheville, but that's as high as he got. It's the only manager not to have played affiliated professional baseball. Very different story in the NFL. Only nine of the 32 head coaches played a single snap in the NFL. Adam Gase, the Jets coach, never even played college football. Of course, the dean of NFL coaches, Mr. Belichick, played no pro football. Might have been a better lacrosse player than football player at Wesleyan, but that's a, a whole other podcast. Anyway, happy, happy, happy on Thursday night. Welcome back, Sean McDonough. He's one to know. I'm uh, not one to know, but uh, very happy to still be a part of all that's going on. Very happy to report that Mitch Moreland and company found a way, a 7-6 final score. We'll leave you with that. And now, this is Josh Lewin. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Come back again. Bye-bye. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.